were you a maths person at school? Because I, I, I had a weird relationship with maths. I did A-level maths, which they said I shouldn't do because I didn't get an A. And I was like, I was one mark off an A. And they were like, no, you need to be really into it. I was like, listen, I'm going to try it. And then I ended up getting a U in my first year. <laughs> it was really tragic. I would never have thought, if you asked me eight years ago when I moved here, someone said I was going to be a math specialist, I, yeah. I would have laughed in their face. <laughs> came all the way from Canada to the UK a few years ago and has had a bustling teaching career ever since. She's also had a great influence on the math scene in the education system, so I'm excited to learn more about that. Here to tell us her story over a cheeky brunch, it's Melissa, everyone. Hello. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Of course. I, I, obviously, I need to point out that the reason we know each other is because of the wonderful Sabrina, our, our um, serial data, you know, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> She's just the loveliest. Isn't she? Like when and she, she was saying, you've got to get Melissa on, you've got to get Melissa on. I was like, well, sort it out then. Like, get us together. And then she just put us in a Facebook chat and here we are. Here we are. So, um, obviously, this is a brunching podcast, Melissa. So, first things first, what do you have for brunch today? I've got my classic avocado on toast with some tomatoes and, you know, some feta cheese on top. That's pretty much my weekend go-to for brunch. I love that. And do, I don't think I'd, I, I'm a sucker for halloumi, so I'd normally add Ooh. halloumi like to mine, but that's probably a lot more unhealthy than like fried halloumi over feta. Um, you can't go wrong with, with halloumi though. That's the thing. Like it's, it's like, okay, yeah, it's not healthy, but it's probably the best tasting thing in the world. But the feta, I can imagine the feta has a really nice like, like as a really nice touch to the avocado definitely you should definitely give it a go I have I have a friend that um came over a couple of weeks ago and she said that one of her like dishes that she does when she's holding a party is literally baked feta so she just put feta in like a dish and then just bake it in the oven for like 10 minutes and, and it, like it has that like camembert sort of effect I'm a big cheese fan by the way oh it does <laughs> actually you know what I had a pasta last week um one of the recipes I got in one of the the boxes that I had and it was feta in the oven in the pasta and then really it, just, like, it was incredible it's the first time I've had that as well oh my god I I, I mean I, I've had feta on my pizza a few times at like some places I like have that as an option and oh my god just it's just that I think because feta is really crumbly just adding that like toastedness to it it's like when you toast like like pecans or like nuts in like with a dish like it just it just adds that extra like goodness to it so 100% I'm gonna have to try it obviously I mean I'm I've made a uh, I actually made this yesterday it was a banana bread that I've made so I just mashed up some bananas and then did the whole shebang and here I am with my banana bread and my macadamia nut coffee um because I just I wasn't some days I just feel like I need something a little bit sweet and I mean if you go all out with like pancakes and you're eating you're consuming like your whole calorie intake at the start of the day so (laughs) I was like I'm gonna go with a slice of this banana bread today so it's very nice very tasty nothing it's it's nothing nothing too special but it, it tastes good so that's the main thing you know lovely so Obviously, you are. I don't want to talk too much about lockdown because even if we, I, I just said to you, like, who knows where we will be by the time this podcast goes out. But I think it's important to find out how you've coped with it. And obviously, I'm guessing you've got quite most of your family is at home in Canada, right? 
Yes, that's right. They're all home in Canada. Um, I did have big plans to go home and visit this summer. Um, but unfortunately, that's not in the cards at the moment. Oh, so hopefully, no. yeah, we'll get to plan something eventually in the fall or in autumn or, you know, Christmas time. But yeah, at so some point, once there's some yeah. normal back, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we'll have to kind of play it by ear there. So how, so how, how have you been coping with, how did you cope with the whole lockdown situation? Were you still going into school? Um, Cause I know that, I know that some, some, some kids were still going into school, weren't they? Yeah. So at the beginning of lockdown, we, the teachers were only going in about, I would say at my school about every um, three weeks or so for a few days. So right. not very often going into school just because we didn't have as many key workers or vulnerable children at first going in. So most of the time it was working from home at first. And I would say the first couple of weeks really kind of just felt like a much needed break. Yeah. Um, you know, just right before lockdown, things were really intense and busy for me at work. A lot of projects going on while they were right. really exciting and great at the same time, it was just kind of that needed slow down. And I actually started investing a lot of time, um, and money into my flat so doing up my balcony I painted my lounge oh, cool. um, just purchased a, like a lot of new little you know things to really get the flat going kind of just made it a little bit more lockdown friendly you know yeah. just thinking that okay this is going to be a while um and then things started to actually pick up a lot in terms of work so even though I was working at home um I'm sure we'll go into just some of the math stuff yeah, that I was doing. Just, yeah. it got really really busy working from home um, and then school ended up opening beginning of June. And so then it was back at work a lot more often. Um, but yeah, it's just been, I can't believe now it's July. <laughs> yeah, I, like, uh, that's the thing. I think if you, if, I mean, firstly, if anyone had said any of this was going to happen at the beginning of this year, I think you probably would have laughed and said that's never going to happen. And then, he, like you said, here we are at the end of July. It's, it really is so crazy. And I imagine, I imagine what must be quite hard for for someone that's in your profession is that teaching has quite a structure to, to it, doesn't it? Like you have, you have a regular, a very like regular routine as much as any, anything can be thrown at you. You're still used to like waking up at a certain time, going into, going into school, having your daily structure at school and then like going high. Like I don't, there, there is like a, a real stringent um, structure with teaching. So it must've been quite weird having all of these different, so one minute you're working from home, one minute you're in school and then you're realizing there's not many people that needed, like needed. And then you've got all this extra work with the math stuff. Like it must've just been quite hard to have any routine while this is all going on for, for someone that would normally have quite a routine. Definitely. I agree. And especially since it was like, you'd almost get into your routine of things going one way. So it was like, okay, we're working from home now. I'm finally used to working at home. I'm getting into this groove. You know, it was really nice at, at a time where it was like, oh, I don't have to get up at the crack of dawn to get into work. I can wake yeah. up and I can do yoga first and I can go, you know, I can actually have a lunch break or I can, you know, it was like actually working within work hours. And so you got into that routine and then it was like, oh, well now school's opening up again. Yeah. So it is back into work, but not. And so it was just, you know, and just working around transport. Am I going on transport or am I going to walk or run today? And it was just... Yeah, definitely the the routines and just having a different, you know, a class, a different group of children. Um, it's really interesting because Sabrina ended up teaching some of my original year one class. Oh, really? It was just like everything kind of switched up. But I think as well with teaching, we're just so used to having to be adaptable or that flexibility 100%. anyway. And I think that... Yeah, because anything can happen can, at any time, can't it? You really have to be prepared to anything to happen. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. Cause you never know what's going to happen in a lesson or with a child, you know, anything could really happen. Um, so I think, yeah, you get used to something and then it would just change quite quickly, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad that it's finally summer, but I guess, I guess what, what I would say is things that did change a lot was this whole, um, the video lesson type of thing going right. on. Um, so we kind of dabbled a little bit with my school, but then with some of my math stuff, it led to having an opportunity to do some lessons, which has now grew into another opportunity of doing video lessons. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it, yeah, it definitely was the weirdest thing to teach a lesson and pretending to talk to a child and then waiting for a response, but you're just videoing. So <laughs> definitely a new experience there, but yeah, I've learned lots of new skills, you know, video editing and yeah, that's the thing. I, I think it, I'd never be doing. <laughs> as much as it has, like lockdown and quarantine and COVID has made things really restrictive. I think it's almost opened up a lot of doorways for us as well, like uh, as individuals. But even with this podcast, like I didn't, I never thought I would be, like the, I think this is episode twenty four or twenty five, and like to oh, wow, yeah. So to think that I started this during like a very like I said a very restrictive time where we had to stay inside and we um weren't allowed to do to live our normal lives I think as human beings we we do adapt to whatever situation we're put in and we think okay I can't, I'm still gonna try and be productive and you do whatever you can to like you said learn new skills and and learn new things definitely so I want to I, I want you to Tell me what you want to tell me, Melissa, because obviously you're from Canada. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, I, I think I've met you twice. And I think both times yeah. I've had quite a lot to drink. So I'm sorry about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Same uh, with me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's quite nice to have like a sober conversation, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so start from the beginning for me. I want to, I want to hear obviously how you ended up teaching and um, what your inspiration was to move over to the UK from Canada and yeah just your journey so far. Okay well so I did my teacher's college um, in Canada and I would say about halfway through the year I'd kind of just gone through like a really bad breakup of a, like a really serious long relationship and it was kind of just I, it was just the time you know I was like okay I'm halfway through the year here I want to do something you know, this has ended, what, you know, what's next, what's going to happen. And I kind of yeah. saw these adverts at school talking about going to teach in England. And I had actually known another friend who was a teacher in England for a couple of years. And he was saying, oh, you should go, you should definitely go. Um, and so myself and then this other girl who um, also lives in England as well, Canadian, um, we weren't really good friends at the time, but we were in teacher's college together, had lots of classes together. She was saying she wanted to go as well. And we were both thinking, you know, we'll go for a year will be supply teachers just get um, experience because in Canada at the time there wasn't a lot of teaching jobs available it was right. really competitive um, and so we're like you know we'll just go for a year get some teaching experience live in London will be a lot of fun travel that was our main thing you know we want to do lots of traveling around Europe etc definitely I mean it's so accessible um, when you're here isn't it it's everything's on your doorstep so make yeah. the most of it if you are here Absolutely. So, you know, I was about 23, turning 24 when I moved over. And then I just fell in love with London. I loved teaching here. And I would say I got, got to the end of the first year here, knowing that I kind of came on a two year visa and just thinking, okay, well, like, how can I stay longer? What can I do? Like, how, yeah. how can we, you know, keep going? And so 
Um, I, I was just like kind of teaching here and there at a couple different schools, nothing too solid. And then um, the other girl and myself, we ended up, she ended up getting this job at my current school. And the head teacher at the time kind of was like, oh, well, do you have any other friends? Do you know any other teachers? And she's like, oh, actually I do. And so then I got a job and then it just worked out really well for us that they ended up getting us a visa. And then after, you know, it was in the tension of, oh, you know, I'll stay another year, I'll stay another year. And then, um, you know, last year I just bought a flat and got my uh, leave to remain and definitely leave to remain. So not wow. leaving anytime soon. <laughs> That's amazing. So um, is, is, is it a really difficult process to go through? Because obviously... I I met Sabrina in America and to I mean to get a visa in America is like almost impossible I I actually don't know how easy it is to move to Canada from here if you wanted to but I imagine I imagine that it's quite a rigorous process isn't it to like get a leave to remain yeah so well technically you're supposed to be here for five years before you can do that um but because the first visa that I'd come on was like a youth mobility visa um, it's two right. years that don't actually count as living here. So we, I actually had to be here for seven years because I had to be five years on a general visa before I could apply. So actually I had to be here for seven years. Um, and it was leave to remain was quite an intense, um, process. <laughs> it's definitely not cheap. Um, <sighs> but it just made it all worth it when it was finally done. Um, but definitely quite a stressful time trying to sort that out but yeah glad it's over with oh definitely um, I, like, I can't I can't imagine having to go through that but like you said like once you've achieved that in the end and you've managed so so are you a permanent resident now is that what yeah yeah that's so exciting yeah it's really exciting um but yeah and then I don't know what's next hopefully you can eventually go for citizenship and just have both and but yeah I never thought you know just moving over here for a little bit of an experience would turn into you know it was just that things started to go really well in my career and I couldn't imagine you know I had a I started to have a life here and friends here and while I do have family and friends back home and I love Canada it was just if I was going to move back home it would be starting fresh in terms of career and right I think like the idea of just picking up and leaving again didn't really make sense. Um, so yeah, I think there's just like a lot of opportunities that have grown out of being, you know, in London as well um, that I wouldn't have had the opportunity back home. So 100%. I think, I think that is one of the amazing things about London as a city that the opportunity, I mean, I live probably like an hour out of London or like just over an hour out of London. And I've always felt that having that on my doorstep that I just, I, that it is so full of, so full of opportunity and um and as as long as you're willing to grab it you can probably achieve it as as you've experienced absolutely what did you did you ever suffer any like culture shock when you got here was is there anything because like I've never been to Canada so I don't I don't know how different the culture is from there to here but yeah is there ever did you ever feel like really homesick did you ever feel like you didn't want to live here or was it just always like you got here and you was like no this is not this is my place this is this is me the first year was really difficult um definitely in the first uh, to be honest though even now I'm you know I've been here for seven years almost eight years and there's still something new that I'll learn that I, I a new word or a new something new that I've never heard about and I, I can't believe I'm still learning things but yeah. I, I would say it was a massive culture shock that I didn't expect you know obviously thinking oh well it's western 
country. It's not going to be that different. Yeah, um, of course. No, I would say there was there was lots of things in the beginning. Even just going grocery, like food shopping, um, just where things are in the food shop are completely different than back home. Um, just not having the same brands of food. Um, yeah, because for me, I hadn't really traveled too much outside of North America even before I moved here. So yeah there, there's lots of things I think one we the first year we are here we well we celebrate every year but um the uh Canadian Thanksgiving is beginning of October okay and we want to do Thanksgiving dinner and so uh with our neighbors at the time they helped us we made this big Thanksgiving dinner with turkey and everything and of course I wanted to have pumpkin pie because I love pumpkin pie and it's oh amazing. my god same pie. and it's it's yeah. not a thing here people don't no. get it like it like I, I, I think it must have been on one of my trips to America that I had tried it and I just I just I love pumpkin anyway I love pumpkin soup I love pumpkin pie um, and I made it for a bunch of people at work and uh, like last October because that's the only time you can get pumpkin puree is in September October uh, and and everyone was like this is disgusting and I'm like I'm it tastes the same as the one I had in America so I don't think it's my bad cooking <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love yeah. it anyway carry on I was I interrupted yeah, I you. think it's I think it's one of those things that you just either you love it or you hate it yeah and so I'm obviously a huge fan of pumpkin pie and we wanted to have pumpkin pie but at the time like we just couldn't find the pumpkin puree anywhere in any of the shops and we're like, what do we do? What do we do? So we decided that we were going to cook a pumpkin. <laughs> oh my God. Like, so put it in the oven, um, baked it. It was scalding hot, trying to like <laughs> scoop out the pumpkin and everything after. And then we didn't have like a proper blender or anything. So when I made it, it was like chunky and weird. <laughs> um, it generally like tasted okay. But then the thing was that like this culture shock of not knowing things. We're like, okay, yeah. we need like whipping cream to put on top. And we were trying to find whipping cream. Like, really, we should have been looking for, like, double cream or something. Didn't know what that was at the time. <laughs> and so I think we ended up getting creme fraiche by accident. Oh, no. And then, like, going to open that and being like, this is not what we wanted. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was definitely things like that in the beginning. Um, but like I said, still new, learning new things every day. Um, but, it's yeah, it's been quite the adventure. But I would say the first year was really hard just because – you know, like the social aspect, not knowing a lot of people, I think it's yeah. really difficult, um, but still like a lot of fun. But yeah, homesick for sure. I would say there's definitely been those spells of that. Definitely. It's it. so obviously I only did a year working in Florida and that I had, I mean, my moment was a little bit more tragic to be fair than the pumpkin, but I, I had one of those, it was like a moment where I was like, okay, things are different here. I think with the UK and America at least I just because we have so many we watch so much American TV I mm. think and and like there's just this I just felt like we it was going to be that we were very Americanized it wasn't till I actually when I lived there that I noticed that there were a lot of differences in that culture yeah. and then the first the first time that I really noticed that was I had I went to Halloween Horror Nights with some friends one night and I had been like bitten by like a mosquito and oh. um and it was fine. I, and I mean, I, I itched it a little bit. Once I realized it had happened, I was like, oh God, that's a mosquito bite. Like I shouldn't itch that. And I must've just in my sleep, just like been itching all night without knowing it. And I, it got really infected the next day. Oh, I was like, I know where this is going. Yeah. So I <laughs> went to, so I went to Walgreens and which was like a five minute walk. Honestly, Melissa, I couldn't even stand. Like I was in so much pain oh. from it. And it happened so quickly. And I didn't even, it didn't even like occur to me at this point that, 
there it's not just a case of popping to the doctors and getting some advice like you it's going to cost a lot of money even if it's a, like infected mosquito bite so i went to i went to the pharmacy at walgreens and because it was the nearest thing that i had and they said um we can book you in at one of our clinics but it's going to cost about 120 dollars, i think it was for an appointment and then obviously any medication oh. after that which just when you think I'm, I've literally been bitten by a mosquito and my foot is infected, surely there isn't like, you can tell me that there's like some antiseptic or something I can put on this. I went, I, I was super like in the first four or five months of Disney, when you're on, when you're not serving, you are broke. <laughs> like you yeah. don't have any money. So I was like very poor at this point. I'd been there for about four or five weeks. I remember calling my dad and my dad's a tattoo artist so he's very good for like infections and stuff so um because he has to be and yeah. and yeah he uh i remember facetiming him showing him my like thing and, uh, and the infected bite and he was like well if you need the appointment i'll just send you some money and like go and have the appointment and i just broke down like and started crying my eyes out because and not not because i mean 120 dollars it's not the end of the world like it's a lot of money but it's not the end of the world Mm. but it was more the fact that at that point i realized there's not like something that we take for granted here like pumpkin puree in canada yeah. <laughs> like you, something that we take for granted here and that is free healthcare. like Definitely. you just don't even think for a second that that's not a global thing until you're in that situation and it really changes the way like the way that you yeah, the perspective, definitely. Yeah, the way you perceive home, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And it's so it's I think everyone that has lived in another country for like a fairly substantial amount of time has that that turning point where you're like, okay, things are different here. Oh, absolutely, for sure. But yeah. yeah. So so you've you've been here for how long now? Um almost almost eight years actually now. Wow, that's crazy. That's I know. I never imagined that that it would you know a third of my life would be here it's crazy yeah and what did your family think when you came over were they were they like were they pushing you to do it or were they a bit restrictive on the idea no I mean my my mum has like always lived quite far away from her immediate family um, and right. we're really close with them but she's always kind of been like the adventure type you know like travel and really pushing for that so she really really encouraged it I don't think they ever thought I would end up moving here yeah um, and I think that is hard for them but like I said you know both my parents love traveling so it's unfortunate about COVID at the moment um but they love coming to London they love visiting me and obviously like me going home so it, it's been like absolutely fine yeah. um up until now but um no they they definitely really encouraged it at the time and you know they they weren't against that and they know it's been such a like a life-changing experience and decision for me so oh 100% it's so nice as well that they've been supportive and to be fair I don't I don't think I know anyone I feel like times have changed but I don't know anyone that has moved away from home and their parents have been against it because I think you really as a parent you just have to be ready to to like let your child spread their wings you know yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and look where it's got you you're doing amazing so I'm I I want to take a short break because I want to I want to really focus on all this math stuff because Serena tells me <laughs> that it's amazing so I'm really excited to hear about it so we will take a very short break and we'll be back with more from Melissa shortly
Lisa, how is your brunch or how was your brunch when you finished? Oh, delicious. Yeah, you can't go wrong with avocado. And like I said, that feta. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't wait to try, to try the feta. I'm definitely, my next brunch is definitely going to be avocado. I might, I might try and bake the feta just so I can kill two birds with one stone, you know? You have to let me know how it goes. I definitely will. <laughs> um, so I have a random question for you, Melissa. I just okay. want to confirm that I have not discussed what this question is with you before. So it's completely random. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> People get really scared at this point. They're like, oh yeah, God, what's it going to be? <laughs> no, it's really chill. It's really chill, I promise. Um, so my question for you, Melissa, is what animal would you want to be reincarnated as and why? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things you don't ever think of and then you're like, oh wait, this is actually like quite a deep question. Oh God. Okay. Well, right. I don't know why right off the top of my head, I've yeah. thought of a dolphin. I have no idea, but I just Ooh. feel like, you know, they seem like they have a lot of fun. Like they're quite free and stuff. So yeah. I think I'm just going to go with what, yeah, came out right off the top of my head. I think that dolphins, they are, they are actually quite good predators as well. So I feel like they could, That's true, actually. so like you can have fun, but you're also ready to like, you might look all like fun and like you're diving, like dipping in and out of the ocean and making cute noises. But then like, if anyone's gonna, if anyone's gonna try and mess with you, you're gonna be like, oh, that's not happening. <laughs> <is> 100% me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There we go. That's why it came to the top of your head. I think, I think I would be a, I know I would definitely be a cat. I just... I love how carefree cats. I mean, I'm a cat person. I don't know if you like cats. I'm a big cat person. I do love cats. I just. But I also, know, I, do, I don't know if I could be a dog or a cat person. I just love them both. I don't. I, know I do love them both, but I think the thing I've got two dogs. I've got a, a British bulldog and a Jack Russell, and then I've got three cats. They're all very needy animals because that's just how <laughs> I raise them, you know. But normally, any cat other than my three cats, cats are generally quite like they're not that needy they just get along with the day but when they want affection they'll come to you for affection so you just get the best of both worlds that you haven't really got to do that much care when it comes to it like obviously you feed them and you give them love and you like play with them yeah I just feel like the effort that you have to put in when you have a dog has to be so much more because they just expect it it's just a part of their instinct um but yeah I just the idea of just like climbing fences and just like being able to poop in other people's gardens you know and just get away with it <laughs> I just I just think it's lounge like, around all day literally just do whatever the hell you want you can just pop into someone's house without them knowing like in the cat flap I just think it, I just think it'd be such a fun carefree animal to be and I just I just yeah I just love them and so fluffy as well I'd want to be like a really big fluffy cat though that's definitely the cat I could see myself being oh, 100%. So. <laughs> yeah that's that's where i'm at with that so reincarnation, reincarnation gods you've heard us cat and dolphin please just in case <laughs> <laughs> so i want you to tell me and everyone that's listening uh melissa about your current role with maths i honestly don't know much about this at all so i'm gonna let you take the reins with this and like okay. i said i'll just jump in and out with questions if i have any okay so really what it started out as was I was just a teacher at my current school and a leadership position came available to be the maths lead, uh, the subject lead. And, you know, while I really liked teaching and planning maths, I didn't really feel like I had any particular subject knowledge, strong subject knowledge in the area or if I was anything, you know, great at it. But I just kind of, the idea of leadership was something that 
I'd wanted. So I just went for it. And it was really scary at first feeling like, oh God, I don't know what I'm doing. Why have I done this? Why have I even gotten this job? Um, and I, the head teacher at the time kind of sent me on a couple of different maths mastery courses. And it was just like almost life-changing for me as a teacher, just being like, oh, wow, like this is all new in England as it is. Because it was like changing the, the maths curriculum had just happened. And so it wasn't just that it was new to me, it was new to everyone in England. So I kind of like had the opportunity to, you know, study something and learn a lot about something that um, not everyone as a teacher knew. And so right. it kind of like, it gave me a little bit of an advantage. Um, and so once I took these courses, I started getting like really into it and growing in my confidence in terms of my role. And I felt like that's when people started like around me with my school being like, oh, she knows so much about math. Like she's so confident in this. And, but I still feel like even now, like years down the road, I still get that like, oh God, what am I saying? Someone's going to find me out. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Type yeah, of, of course. There's always going to be that anxiety with anything, even if you're yeah. an expert. Isn't there? Um, the kind of that imposter syndrome almost. And so it, um, I started at this math lead and then my head teacher kind of was like, oh, I've heard about this opportunity. Um, it's called a mastery math specialist. Um, they've got them all over England and they've got hubs. So this would be, um, you know, Southeast hub, you should apply for it. And so I got that. And so basically what it meant was I had to go for this two year training and across the last couple of years, and which was really lovely it was like you got to go away to a hotel and have this incredible subject knowledge training and then once you're trained at the end of the year then this year was the year that I had to go out and support schools around my around my school so not only supporting within my own school now I go out to, I've got eight different schools where I go and they support them with their maths teaching and learning so planning everything oh, cool. all to do so I give I obviously give my own school support so the first year was like supporting my own school and partnership and then the next year was kind of taking that, those skills that I've learned a little bit wider, um, which has been really incredible. And then it, that also led to me being chosen in my second year, being part of this hub. I got chosen to go to Shanghai in November. Oh, no and, way. Yeah. And so our maths curriculum is based on the Shanghai curriculum um their maths curriculum so basically the the government funds this program every year to send teachers there to kind of observe and study and then the idea is that the teachers will come back here as well to England to teach in England okay. um and so I mean sorry go ahead no 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 of course no I was just I just was nodding along basically <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine um but yeah and so as a teacher you don't often get to go on that kind of incredible trip you know getting paid like getting paid to go and work somewhere else and you know being put up in a hotel and all these so it's just been a massive incredible life-changing experience for my career especially just knowing that I've been studying this for the last few years and now I get to go see it in person and talk to people you know go to lectures where the people who've created this curriculum and the teachers who are teaching it um how they've done it and how we're trying to incorporate some of that here so it's just such a rewarding experience to be able to do that so it's led to that like this you know something that I thought wasn't anything I was really particularly interested in, in the beginning applying for this role has just like opened a door like one to the next um yeah so it's been yeah incredible yeah I mean it, so it sounds like the overall experience has just been really crazy and I think to be be a part of something from the very start as well and to see how it's like formed into what it is now must be like really amazing as well 
Absolutely. Yeah. And like just thinking back to being like, you know, my first time maybe doing a presentation on it, how different and how much, like how different I am now and how much more I've gained or how much I know. And even just that aspect of networking, you know, like I know so many people in the field now all over um, through this, this one role. So it's been quite interesting kind of developing and seeing how I've developed over the last few years. But even in terms of, you know, thinking that we're going into lockdown, um, thinking that, okay, this is going to put things on hold. It actually still brought out opportunities for me, which is, I'm, you know, still in the midst of it. It should be summer holidays for me right now, but I'm still working because I've had another opportunity come up for this like video lesson stuff for uh, to make videos nationally um, in case there's another lockdown or whatever. And so it's just, it it does feel a little bit, I think, overwhelming. Um, But yeah, it's just thinking back about it is pretty, it's pretty cool. It's been quite an adventure. (laughs) What, so what is it about, so I'm guessing it's not the, is it the whole of the UK that use this, this like curriculum that was um, initiated in Shanghai or is it just, your borough that's using it what's the situation yeah, um so it's the national curriculum so it would be national what oh, okay. um yeah and so basically what happened was they shanghai i guess would be one of the highest performing countries in terms of their mathematics scores and education and so it was about um the government kind of studying that and seeing why okay well what what is so much better about their maths curriculum mars and so it kind of got shaped from that and just based on our pupils not having as much as like a deep understanding in terms of numbers. Um, and so they kind of reshaped it on that sense. And so they introduced it here, but then none of the teachers knew anything about teaching in this way in terms of a mastery um, curriculum. And so it was kind of like it started, we were meant to start teaching it, but there was no subject knowledge around it. And so that's how the program that I was hired on for, this specialist program, it was basically, okay, let's give them training on this curriculum from specialists, like other specialists who know the Shanghai curriculum. And then their job is to go out into these other schools and train them up and make sure that everyone in England is teaching it in the same way and that we all have this like strong understanding of what it should be. And so that's why I go into other schools to kind of just ensure that everyone is kind of on the same page. So, I mean, the new curriculum came out in 2014 and we're still, you know, developing schools. So it's been a long process. Has, has there been, has there been since this sort of program has come into play in the UK, has there been like an evident change in, results when it comes to maths so i would say the first year that it was introduced i think they the the um sorry when it the first year when it was introduced the results were like significantly lower it was ridiculous because it was like it was such a difficult curriculum that was introduced and there wasn't that subject knowledge in terms of like the teachers knowing yeah you know how to teach or what and it was just what the children had to know was so much more difficult. Um, And so there was a significant drop from one year to the next. And then, so now every year it's kind of been gradually going up and up and up and up. But the way, I guess, being an outsider in terms of not knowing what maths mastery is, the idea is that it's not about a quick fix. It's like the longevity of it. So, you know, um, the year one children that I taught that I guess would currently be going into year six next year, they would be around, I guess, the one of the cohorts that had maths mastery from the beginning almost, that we should right. see it like, you know, that 
that gentle kind of increase every year, hopefully. I mean, now it's a little bit difficult thinking about post-COVID and how that's affected people's understanding and their time being out of school. But um, what has happened is been that slow process of generally getting better and better every year. And I think as well, because it just, it's not a quick fix for schools. Like you can't just say, okay, we're going to teach like this now and it's all good. Let's do it. Of course. There's, um, a tra- there's always going to be a transition period, isn't there? Yeah. And so even kind of like getting everything on board with my own school first took a few years and then, you know, so it is just about, you know, those small marginal changes, hopefully leading to like the bigger picture. Um, so yeah, I think we'll definitely, once things are, you know, COVID is in the past. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully sooner or later. Get back on like the right track. But yeah, it's definitely been um, quite the process, but we've definitely seen some some impact already. Were, were you a maths person at school? Because I, I, I had a weird relationship with maths because I really liked it in school. And I was always like, probably say there were like five groups of like level wise of like difficulty. I probably was always in like the second from the top. And then mm-hmm. in school, I, I always had like a fairly good grade. And then I ended up like getting one mark off of an A in my GCSEs. And then I did A-level maths, which they said I shouldn't do because I didn't get an A. And I was like, I was one mark off an A. And they were like, no, you need to be really into it. I was like, listen, I'm going to try it. And then I ended up getting a U in my first year. <laughs> it's really tragic. Um, but yeah, so I've had like a weird relationship with maths. But I just, do you know what I hate about it? And I'm sure that they don't teach this in primary school, but correct me if I'm wrong is how like expansive the subject is when it comes to shapes and like angles and when when it starts getting alphabetical I'm like what is going on here like my brain just can't can't work it out but what was yeah what was your relationship with maths um I hated it in school really I I was never generally like I wouldn't say I was generally bad at it like all all throughout primary school I did really well in school but it was something about like secondary school in Canada starts in grade nine. Right. Um, so by the time grade nine started, I just really, I don't know, I just some, somewhere I got lost and I wasn't understanding. Um, but now when I look back on like, and I see how I'm teaching now with these new approaches, it just, it was, I didn't understand because they would only teach you steps. It was like, okay, this is how you do it. I'll write it on the board. Now go do all these questions in your textbook. And there was not really the understanding of behind why you're using certain methods or just the understanding of like relationships between numbers or anything. And so I think I kind of grew like through high school, just learning to hate it. You know, it was just like, let me just get me through this. I don't want anything to do with this. I hate it. And then I started teaching it in England. And while I didn't like, you know, love it, like I didn't know much about it when it had changed really yet. Yeah. I could see how much more I was starting to like it because it was like, I was almost like going from the perspective, I'm going to teach this in a way that they will understand it rather than just get it over with. And then this new training really made me like kind of see, I was like, Oh wow. Like if I was taught like this, I would have loved it so much more. You know, it's actually like these lessons are great fun for the children. It will help ensure their understanding and it won't just, like the idea is to like not leave any child behind with this type of teaching so I think that's why I'm quite passionate about it because I could like see myself as a child just not understanding um and you know kind of not wanting any other child to go through that I think so I think I think that's that's really really nice to hear and really reassuring that obviously I know that teachers do care but that obviously kids can sometimes just think that teachers are just expecting them to know everything but that's not the case from what you're saying that's not the case is it you there there is a method and there is an understanding that is available it's just the fact that the kids have to the teacher has to 
allow the kid to take that time to understand it and realize that there is a method behind there's a process behind the answer rather than just saying this is the answer because that's where it gets confusing in my opinion that if like yeah okay i i know that if you tell me a equals x divided by blah 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 like that's fine i know that i know that we're going to make an answer but what's actually the interesting part is knowing the process behind that and why are we doing this to get to that point you know absolutely yeah definitely like making those connections and just even just relating things in maths to real life you know like you know why are we learning about angles why are we learning about this like what's the purpose and there's so much of that in teaching now it's you know there's a purpose behind everything so we'll do things we'll plan things in with the children like higher up in the school like we'll give them a budget and they'll have to you know work to a budget for a certain like project or something and um like teaching them actual skills that they wouldn't they would need to learn in real life so it's just yeah I I think I'm quite passionate about it in that sense and I think that's where the like the love of it kind of grew from like my almost like hate of it I think in the beginning and not wanting it to be like that anymore yeah no I mean I remember sitting in math at school sometimes and think to be fair I had some really great math teachers but then I I probably went downhill so quickly because I remember my college math teacher was just awful she was really awful she's a lovely lady but just not like just it just was like mind-boggling what she was doing because it was just like do this do this do this do this do this and I remember just being like I don't have a clue what you're doing yet you might know the answer but I do not that is why I'm in this class but yeah I just I feel like having that like I said just to reiterate having that like process there and that extra understanding just makes something so much more enjoyable for someone and putting that into practical terms and realizing that these things can be used in everyday life makes it just so much more enjoyable like some of the stuff I learned even now I just think surely you'd only need to know that if you wanted to be a maths teacher like yeah 100% and, <laughs> and, and like the amount I'm sure there's not that many people that want to be maths teachers for us all to be learning this no. jargon so that's really interesting to hear is that something that's running through other subjects in schools now like that they're putting a more practical sense onto subjects yeah I would say this idea of like mastering a concept or like I guess deep deep in like a deep understanding of different subjects is definitely the way forward so connecting things to the real world in terms of everything so even even if you're learning you know geographical skills it will be based on okay can they apply this to something happening in the in the world right now so yeah things about like global goals or pollution um everything now we're trying to steer education towards having a purpose and connecting it to children's life and what's happening in the world rather than just being like okay find this on a map (laughs) or um so it's yeah I would say that that's kind of the way forward in general with all the subjects that's at least in terms of where I am at teaching um kind of in my bubble of my partnership you know that's what we're kind of steering towards with the curriculum and I really I I really do it makes me annoyed that this wasn't the case when I was in school and that wasn't even that many years ago like like like, honestly I think I would have enjoyed probably everything I learned so much more knowing that okay I'm not just learning this for the sake of it because we have to I'm learning this because I can use this in my everyday life and I actually think that will steer kids into what they're actually interested in because they know how they can practically put this into use rather than just learning information and it's sitting there definitely and I think it's all about as well you know it's not just about children getting a job anymore and so obviously we want children to help them and support them you know with what they want to do in the future but I think it's also like education is changing in the sense that you know you're trying to shape like good humans that care about the world 
as well and care about the community. Yeah. Just, um, I think the sense of that is much stronger now than it used to be. And um, yeah, so just teaching them, you know, to care about things going on in the world. And I think that's so important. Definitely. Oh, that's so that's so refreshing to hear. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I love all that. That's, that's amazing. And I mean, thank you for being one of those teachers that does really care about what they're doing because I know that and I know everyone every teacher should care about what they're doing but I know for a fact that there were teachers that I had in school and I'm sure there's still some out there now that literally were just doing it because it was a job but it sounds like you really do care about your craft and about what the kids are learning so thank you for being that teacher (laughs) I love it um we'll take another very short break and we'll be back to finish off this podcast shortly Melissa I just feel so refreshed listening to all of that I know in our little break just now I just was saying to you how nice it is to hear how um, things are changing in the education system and there's a lot of care going into that but what what's next for you have you got any um, obviously you said that there's a lot of new opportunities coming up and a lot of new projects you're working on I'm sure you can't reveal the details of those but what's what's your plan are you planning to um, stay in the UK are you planning to keep on with this maths leadership that you're doing what's what's up next yeah, so I think it, it it has been the last few months has been quite an overwhelming time for me in terms of my career. Like I have had, like I've said, you know, all of a sudden all of these all these networks I've had are leading to new opportunities and being recommended for certain things, etc. Sorry, I just got really loud outside. I don't know if we want That's to okay. the train going by and it's really loud. <laughs> <laughs> you can go back a little bit if you like. Okay. Um, all right. Um so yeah, I think it's just been quite an overwhelming time over lockdown for me, just because, like I said, there has been a lot of doors opening, a lot in terms of that networking, people recommending me for new experiences. And, you know, I was asked to do another podcast earlier than this, um, mm-hmm. doing different video lessons, et cetera, that all of a sudden I feel like, oh gosh, what is my next step yeah um and so at the moment so starting in september i'm still going to be um with my school but i'm going to be in an out of class role so no longer having my own class to teach which is quite a big thing yeah and definitely i think a lot of people are always like oh well, aren't you going to miss teaching but i guess for me i don't really feel like i'm i, I am still teaching i'm teaching adults though 100 percent, yeah 100 um, and so not necessarily children as much but you know, I'm still going to be teaching. I'm still going to be covering classes. I'm still going to be helping other teachers teach their class. Um, so I think for me, it's just now it's, te- it's still teaching, but it's on a wider scale. Um, I would really like to continue down, you, you know, the maths route if I can and keep that, that networking and that, that contact growing. And I think for me, it is just kind of thinking about that next step. Okay, well, you know, how can I make this impact and, you know, and help and support other schools on this journey and, you know still have that that I guess in the back of my head okay I'm doing this for the children I'm doing this for that and not you know try and still have that link so I yeah. think it is a little bit of an unknown for me um but there's it's not to say that there's not kind of a lot of opportunities ahead so we'll see yeah definitely I'm it all sounds so exciting I'm so excited for you and I can't wait to hear how everything goes it looks like it's it looks like it's all upwards from here I think yeah, you never know. You know, I I would never have thought if you asked me eight years ago when I moved here, 
someone said I was going to be a math specialist, I, yeah. I would have laughed in their face. <laughs> no, definitely. So, I... Yeah, it's definitely been one surprise after the next, I would say. But Well, here's, yeah. to, here's to more surprises, I say. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. <laughs> um, I have one final question for you, Melissa. And right. that is, if you could be brunching anywhere else in the world right now, where would that be? Oh, I know 100% right now. Anywhere, oh. anywhere in the world, if I could brunch, it would be um, in this place called the Muskokas in Canada. So Ooh. on the lake, at my friend's cottage, just waking up and like jumping in the lake, having a nice brunch because that is just what I wanted my summer to be back home there. But um, yeah, so 100%, that's where I'd be because the weather is always great and just so peaceful, go for a boat ride. But Sounds the dream. That literally sounds like (laughs) the dream. Well, hopefully you can get back there sooner rather than later, you know? Yeah, hopefully. But until then, until then, you'll enjoy sunny, sunny UK and... um, Yeah, I can't complain. It has been pretty lovely here. It has, it has. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me today. It's been so um, insightful to hear everything you've been saying and also really inspirational to hear that you sort of just took that spontaneous plunge and just did what you wanted to do and went on an adventure and to see where you are now is amazing. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it actually today. It's been great. Of course, no worries. I've enjoyed it too. So one final thank you to Melissa, everyone. Um, so this has been another episode of Brunching with Bradley. New episodes are released every Wednesday and Sunday at 11 a.m. Don't forget to go and click that follow button. Come along, be a fly on the wall, grab your favorite brunch dish and a glass of Prosecco if you fancy it. Or a, um, I don't know. A, mimosa you know whatever whatever drink of choice it has to be alcoholic with me you know um and yeah just another big thank you to melissa and i will see you all again shortly keep on brunching everyone and bye for now bye